Trevor Loudon is an author, filmmaker, and public speaker from Christchurch, New Zealand. For more than 30 years, he's researched radical left, Marxist, and terrorist movements and their covert influence on mainstream politics. I first learned of Trevor when he did a review of my book, Secret Weapon, on his New Zeal blog. The sales and web traffic were huge. When I looked further, I found out that he was a Glenn Beck favorite, far ahead of the curve. It's my honor to welcome Trevor back into the economic war room, only this time in person. He was last included by Skype during COVID. Welcome, Trevor. Hey, thanks very much. It's great to be on. Thanks for giving Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Oh, we love all your work. I follow you on Epoch Times and read your books and your movies and everything. You're doing tremendous work. How in the world did you get into this uh, crazy business that's helped so many people? Well, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a conventional path. I used to be a baker in New Zealand. I ran bakeries, but I was also involved in politics, you know, local politics and uh, national politics in New Zealand. And what I was discovering was the massive communist infiltration of my country. Back in the 80s, they actually got hold of the foreign policy in my country and banned nuclear warships from our harbors, which destroyed our military alliance with the United States. That was orchestrated from Moscow. How, did, how in the world would you find out? I mean, I get it. I remember the 80s. I remember how... Uh, you know, America was viewed as a dangerous and bad, and Ronald Reagan was bad. But how in the world did you find out that it was orchestrated by Moscow? Well, I interviewed extensively a New Zealander who had infiltrated our pro-Soviet Communist Party, the Socialist Unity Party, for our security services. So he was right inside the Communist Party. In 1983, he was sent to Moscow to train at Lenin's Institute for Higher Learning. Three and a half thousand students from all over the world being indoctrinated in Soviet programs. And he was there when Reagan invaded Grenada. And the Soviets went ballistic because that was supposed to be the second Cuba. But he was there when they planned New Zealand's anti-nuclear legislation. He took part in it, he advised on it, and he helped to implement it when he got back to, the, back to New Zealand. So he was a patriot that had infiltrated, snuck in, and went. Now, amazingly, it was acknowledged and known that he was going in, you know, the people understood that he was going to this Lenin thing in Moscow? Yeah, well, he was, he was an undercover communist. He, they thought he was a genuine communist. Right. He was allowed to go to the school. Um, he was reporting back to our security services. Um, after, before and after, but if he'd been caught, if they knew what he was, he probably never would have got back. A, he wouldn't have been allowed to go, but if he had, he would have had an accident in the Soviet Union. Well, what would your government think of some New Zealand citizen going in? I mean, this is the height of the Cold War. Well, we, that was okay. The, the security services sent him in. We had a Prime Minister Longy at the time, David Longy, who gave the famous speech at the Oxford Union, I can, spell, I can smell the uranium on his breath. I think he was talking about George Schultz, the uh, US Secretary of State. Anyway, but, but he went in there, but after he did his work, our security services so distrusted our Prime Minister because our labor figures, our senior figures, were working with the communists that they had to take him out of, this, out of the Communist Party because they couldn't, um, because the Prime Minister was also head of the security services. Wow. And they could not trust 
that Lange would not expose him to the communists. So they actually, after he'd been to Moscow, they withdrew him for his own safety. Even though he was providing fantastic information, they could no longer guarantee his safety while that man, Longley, was the prime minister of our country. Yeah, so you're learning this. You've got somebody that's infiltrated. He's passing back. What did you learn? What sparked you to go from baking yeah. to writing? Yeah. Well, what he told me was this. The big secret of communism is this. It is not atom bombs. It is not invading countries. The secret of communism is how a small group of communists can influence the polit mainstream politics of the country. What he told me was this, basically everything that, come, that came out of the Canadian Liberals at the time, the US Democratic Party, the Australian Labour Party, the um, German Social Democratic Party, came from Moscow. What they would do is this, they set a policy, it might be a nuclear disarmament, it might be, in modern times, might be Obamacare or open borders. They would make it the pol they would give that policy to the American or the Canadian or the Mexican or the French communists. They would take it back and make it labor union policy, and the labor unions would make it Democrat policy or Canadian liberal policy. So everything we were seeing under Obama, from Obamacare to open borders to fracking bans, all of it was communist policy that came into the Democratic Party through the labor unions. That is the process. That's how 300 communists in New Zealand could write New Zealand's foreign policy. Wow, that's unbelievable. It's infiltration, and yeah. that was going on in the 80s, and yeah. you just said it was going on during the Obama administration. Look, look, look absolutely, you know. But you don't know after the so-called collapse of the Soviet Union, which I don't really regard as a genuine collapse, it is harder to pinpoint the deep origins, whether it was Chinese or still Soviet, but I can absolutely pinpoint the Communist Party and Democratic Socialists of America origins of most of Obama's policies, from the Iran nuclear deal to Obamacare to open borders, all of it was communist policy. Well, it looks obviously like Communist Party, but nobody would believe it because, oh, we won the Cold War, it's over, it's done. Well, nobody told the communists that. And see, this is, this is my analogy. Well, we're seeing right now, Putin is trying to resurrect the, the old Soviet empire. The KGB never went away. They still had the same goals. They've still had the same foreign policy for years. They've still been working with Venezuela and Cuba and Angola and Mozambique, the same as they did in the Soviet days. The foreign policy never changed, and now it's coming back. But, you know, we, we, we thought that communism was over, so we focused on Islam and other threats. But it was really a strategic retreat. And if you think about it this way, say if you had a cancer in your body, and you cut 90% of it out, but you left 10% in. And then you stopped all treatment for 30 years. Wow. What would your good, body look like? It's going to be crazy. It's going to be all over. That's where we are in America today. We have to take a break. I want to continue that when we get back. We've been talking with Trevor Loudon, and he's sharing the secret of communism, how they infiltrate governments and then set the entire policy of a nation. Trevor, you, you said this was going on during the Obama administration. Is it going on today? 
Look, absolutely. Joe Biden is doing everything. If Joe Biden was a fully paid up Chinese or Putin agent here to destroy the United States, what would he be doing differently? He's just on foreign policy, he's just given Afghanistan to the Chinese. He's about to surrender the Ukraine to, to Russia, probably Taiwan to the Chinese. Um, he is, the, the, the communists want us to be completely energy dependent on them. Uh, Biden is refusing to open up our energy reserves, the one real weapon that he would have against Putin. Instead, he wants to buy our oil from Iran and Venezuela, know, which crazy. are both Russian allies. So, yeah, absolutely, the communists are in control right now. But it doesn't look that way. I mean, the average person turns on TV and he's standing strong against Vladimir Putin and he's fighting with economic warfare, this, this great battle against this evil uh, that has rolled tanks into Ukraine. How do you reconcile what you just said with what the American people are seeing? The American people are seeing the spin-doctored version. If, a, if a Biden was serious about stopping Putin, he would have done something and said something before the invasion started when he could really do something. He has hung back on doing the things that would really hurt the regime, which is cutting off their oil dominance. America's got a wash in oil, but America's not allowed to use it to counter Putin. Um, America's got to buy oil from Putin's allies, like um, Iran and um, whatever. So it shows he is not serious about stopping Putin at all. He has to show the appearance of it, but no real substance. Biden has been working for groups like the Council for a Livable World, which was set up by Soviet agents. They got him elected back in the 70s. He has been, he, during the 80s, you've got to remember, Biden was one of the most left-wing senators. He was always standing against Reagan when Reagan was trying to counter the Soviets, when Reagan was trying to stop communism in Latin America. It was him, Ted Kennedy, and John Kerry were the most hard-left senators on foreign policy. And that's carrying through today. He just gave Afghanistan to China, and now he's about to give the Ukraine to Russia. And it won't just be the Ukraine, it'll be a whole, much more, a whole bunch more than that. And you mentioned Taiwan, you think. Yeah. So we've got Peter Schweitzer's book here, Secret Empires. He talks about how they've all been complicit and corrupted and so yeah. forth. Do you think that's true? Absolutely. I would say right now, the government of America is really probably Barack Obama and Susan Rice and Xi Jinping. Wow. That's what I would say. So we are seeing a foreign policy that reflects that. That's what I said. If Xi Jinping was running the government right now, what would be different than what we're seeing today? Well, I, I, I th I'm working on a theory that's a little different, and that is I think there's two different worldviews on how you implement this. One of them is built on uh, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, and the other is built on George Orwell in 1984, Animal Farm. And I see Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin as, as wanting to get to the complete control through force and, and, and that, that sort of thing. But I see the George Soros open society version is, we'll give you all the sex you want, all the drugs you want, and we'll just denigrate the morals of society. But in the end, you still work for the world state. Yeah, well, I, I, see, I don't see it as either or, I see it as both. You know, there's been a long-term plan orchestrated by the Soviet Union, orchestrated by China, Cuba, etc. And I see Soros as part of that. 
You've got to remember, you know, George Soros was allowed to leave Soviet-occupied Hungary, travel through Soviet-occupied Austria on his trip out to the West, when he'd been working as a Nazi collaborator right. in Hungary. How would you do that if you hadn't made a deal with the Soviet authorities? Wouldn't it be easy to get rich if a foreign intelligence service was feeding you financial... Well, it certainly did get rich. There's no yeah. question of that. So I, I see this as, as complementary. They have pushed the West so far down militarily, psychologically, morally, etc. But there will always come a time that force will be employed. And I think we've come to that point now. They've taken us to our weakest point ever. You know, the, the economy's in a shambles. Uh, the Chinese COVID has done its damage. We've got the weakest president we've seen for decades. The military's at a very low ebb. When would be the best time Worst for Worst race relations, Worst the race. whole... You know, Black Lives Matter was a Chinese operation run by Liberation Road, a pro-Chinese Communist Party with deep connections to the Chinese consulate. So the Chinese hurt our economy with their COVID, burned our cities with their, with their Black Lives Matter, which is a Chinese operation, as I said, and then they, they did all sorts of shenanigans in the elections. They weakened the morale of this country. They're involved in education, but it comes to a point when we're weak enough that force will be applied, and we may well be at that point now. And when you say force will be applied, do you think that there is an intended uh, invasion of our country? Do you think it's the use of an electromagnetic pulse or a cyber attack on the power grid? Or do you think it is the, our own government applying force on, on our people? Well, I think it's, again, all of the above. And they, they'll push each one to see which one works. You know. You look, you've got the book there, Unrestricted Warfare, on your table, right. written by two top Chinese military officers. And they said China's goal was to destroy the population of this country, then occupy this country and use the land for And the resources, people. yeah. And they would use unconventional methods to achieve that. You know, Chinese fentanyl, which killed 80,000 80, people last year, that's the unrestricted warfare buying up land, stealing patents, stealing technology, buying up politicians, biological warfare, um, possible EMP attacks, all of it, every single bit of it will be used according to what works at what time. But they will go nuclear. They will go full on nuclear with the Russians if that's what it takes. Yeah, well, there's no question. That's the premise of the book, is you do whatever it takes, and there are no restrictions. None. Unrestricted warfare. Yeah. Biological, psychological, moral. They're in the churches. They're in the education system. They've got control of Hollywood. They're indoctrinating our kids and stealing information through TikTok and all these big tech platforms. All of it is designed to weaken this country in preparation for a final push that defeats this country. The Chinese and their Russian friends don't want to just economically dominate America or win the, the global status race. They want to physically dominate and possibly destroy this country if they can do so. Well, we're going to have to take another break. When we get back, I want to talk about that role in the culture and the church that you mentioned. So Trevor, you, you talk about the enemy external and you talk about the enemy within, how they've infiltrated. You, when we last were speaking, you were talking about right before the break, 
how they've infiltrated Hollywood, how they've inter infiltrated education, and then one you said that's surprising to a lot of people, how they've infiltrated the church. Tell us about that. Well, the church was always the back is always the backbone of America, and America's enemies way back a hundred years ago decided you couldn't take America from the outside, you'd have to do it from the inside, and the churches were the first target. The very first Communist Party front in America was the Methodist Federation for Social Action. And so that has gone on in the 1920s. Um, communists were told to go back into their churches to get influence in the church. They infiltrated the Catholic Church. Um, and in latter times, they've started to infiltrate even the evangelicals and the Baptists because these were the people who would vote for Ronald Reagan right. or Donald Trump and set the communist agenda back. So there's been a very deep push in the last few years to bring Marxism into the evangelicals and even the Southern Baptists. Yeah, well, you actually made a movie on this. Yep. Tell us about that. It's called, right, you know, Enemies Within the Church, and it traces the history of this movement. It names perpetrators, some very well-known Christians in this country. It'll, this will shock a lot of people but we have a lot of whistleblowers in the movie. People have been in high positions in Bible colleges and seminaries. People have seen the indoctrination, have identified the perpetrators, and tried to challenge the perpetrators at various times as well. So this, this is, I think, the most shocking movie documentary ever done on American Christianity. It's a crime story, and it's a story of hope as well. Okay, well, let's roll the trailer and see what it's about. What happened to the church, to the living, powerful, transformative, nation-shaking Christianity? What they're trying to do is completely demolish Western civilization and then to rebuild it in a just society. How do you break down American Christianity? I think the problem today in our culture is many of our words have been co-opted and stolen and dumbed down and reversed. Social justice is sold as something that it isn't. Critical race theory is sold as something that it isn't. Whiteness has caused blindness of heart. Whiteness has caused blindness of heart. When you preach victimization, it always leads to vengeance and vice. Us against them, me against you, I want my pound of flesh. American churches today are where the universities were 10 years ago. Pretty heavily Marxist. They're not quite there yet, but they're well on the way. Many of the seminaries and Bible colleges are definitely already there. That message that they're going out and taking the world is not, you need to repent of your sin, receive Christ. Instead, the message that you actually have is they are under the weight of racism or sexism or homophobia, and then we need to unify them together. I'm gay, I'm 29, I'm a youth pastor in New Jersey. I'm straight, and I'm also a youth pastor in New Jersey. We're planning on sharing life together for the rest of our lives, which we're not totally sure what that looks like. Obviously, Nick is straight, and he does plan on getting married. Uh, when he has a wife one day, she'll make those decisions with us. The future damage of what we're doing now is just going to be enormous. The entire fabric of family, personal wealth, private property, 
all those things are out the door. And everything is the state. They believe the state is God. They don't define justice the same way as the scripture. Oh, no. It's going to be an equality, all right. And it's going to be a totalitarian Marxist justice. You know, Trevor, I, when, when I graduated from college, Reagan was president, and I had so much hope. I was like, we have beaten the Soviet Union. I watched the Berlin Wall fall. I thought, freedom, liberty is one, and all people around the world are going to benefit from that. And then I've watched that erode, and you've explained why it was eroded and how it was eroded. Give me back my hope. How, how, where do we have hope? Well, you know, the, before you get hope, you've got to face reality. We've got to face reality. We're in a revolution in this country. Uh, there are forces outside, internally, and there are forces outside the country that, want, that do us, want to do us major harm. At the same time, when we face that, we can start to fight back, when most of us are not at that stage yet. But I'm touring around the country right now, and the COVID, you know, it did us a little bit of a, a good turn because you've had millions of people sitting at home for two years, reading their kids' school textbooks, watching their cities burnt down by pro-Chinese anarchists, watching an election stolen in front of their eyes, and they're finally waking up to the fact that we could lose this country. And I'm seeing this everywhere I go, groups starting up, people moving into politics, people getting active. So, and also in the churches too, a lot of the home churches are getting very active. Some of the pastors are finally getting active after a long period of dormancy. So things are in some ways are worse than we think, but they're also better than we think, because to me the greatest victories come from the darkest times, because that's when good people get off the fence and stand up and fight for their country, fight for their families, and fight for their values. And I'm seeing that all over the country now. And I think we keep doing that. We will get some divine providence to help us out. That's, that's my hope. Well, that's the story. We tell it all the time, the story of the miracle of Dunkirk. There's no question that uh, in Dunkirk, the small ships, the individuals, made a difference because they saw the problem, they were educated on it, and then they went and they, and they brought people in. The miracle of Dunkirk is a great analogy for what's happening now because that wasn't organized centrally by the British Navy or the government. That was thousands of individuals with pleasure boats and craft who went across the English Channel and saved the British Army from total destruction. Well, that's where we are now. There are patriots all over the country bypassing their political leaderships. There are people in the churches bypassing their pastors and just getting on message again. There's a real fervor out there for saving this country. And, and it's encouraging me, encouraging me no end. But that's why we did the movie, to get people to face reality first, so then we could start to talk about hope. Well, thank you so much, Trevor. Hey, you know, everything we've talked about today is gonna to be summarized in this week's free economic battle plan. We'll tell you exactly how you can get a hold of Trevor Loudon, get, see the movie, uh, buy his books, and you need to do all of that. And we're gonna give you action plan to help pass on our liberty to the next generation, to fight back against this threat. You can get a copy at economicwarroom.com. Trevor, where do we get your stuff? TrevorLoudon.com? TrevorLoudon.com, yes. Um, 
Google has forgotten my IP address, so you have to put it in the search bar at the top of the page. But trevorloudon.com is where you get it, or enemieswithinthechurch.com for the church movie. Great. What we see as a marketplace, our enemies view as a battle space. This is Kevin Freeman from the Economic War Room. Thank <laughs> you.